My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Taylor Mayton. When a government gets elected with an agenda of cutting programs that people depend on, privatizing public services and assets, undermining laws and regulations that keep people safe and healthy, and making life worse for workers, it's always a bit unpredictable which specific changes are going to be the ones that lead people to stand up and say no. On the one hand, this can be a challenge for activists and organizers trying to mobilize people against that kind of neoliberal austerity. At the same time, however, this unpredictability can also be a source of hope. Sometimes, some piece of cutting or deregulating or privatizing that might seem trivial and easy to the government enacting it ends up sparking outrage, even among erstwhile government supporters. Jason Kenney's United Conservative Party, or UCP, government in Alberta has been busy since it won office in 2019. It has cut taxes for big corporations to the tune of at least $4 billion, it has made deep, deep cuts to education, healthcare, and other areas. It has managed to seriously alienate physicians and other healthcare providers, and has proposed laying off 11,000 Alberta health service workers in the middle of a global pandemic. And it has launched major attacks on workers more generally. Recent polls have found that the popularity of the UCP and Kenny have taken a nosedive. Many analysts explain that with respect to Kenny's handling of the pandemic, which has seen cases in Alberta skyrocketing, and there is certainly no shortage of other issues that might also be prompting Albertans to start saying no. In this mix is an issue that the UCP political strategist probably thought would pass with hardly anyone noticing, let alone objecting. But they were wrong. Back in February, the government of Alberta announced plans to close 20 provincial parks and remove another 164 from the park system. They estimated that this measure would save about $5 million. The initial announcement suggested that sale of parks to private owners could be part of this, though subsequently the government has clarified that the land would technically stay in public hands while ownership of facilities and management authority for the areas might be privatized. Taylor Mayton is the Conservation Outreach Coordinator with CPAWS Northern Alberta, a regional chapter of the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society. That organization has been working to protect public lands and waters, as well as the various parks systems across the country that do that, for more than five decades. Mayton and her colleagues have a number of concerns with respect to the Alberta government's plan. Given that this closure and delisting would affect 37% of Alberta parks, it would likely mean Albertans would end up with less recreational access to wilderness areas. They're skeptical that the changes would result in the promised cost savings, and Mayton feels that opening the land up to for-profit commercial management and use, quote, is not the way that we should be going, end quote. Moreover, opponents are very clear that this would move both Alberta and Canada away from achieving important conservation goals. The lands in question would be shifted from the purview of the Provincial Parks Act to, potentially, the Public Lands Act, which would drastically weaken protections. In particular, the delisted lands would be opened up to industrial activities like mining, commercial forestry, and fossil fuel development. 
In response, CEPAW's Northern Alberta, CEPAW's Southern Alberta, and the Alberta Environmental Network came together to launch the Defend Alberta Parks campaign. The timing of the campaign has corresponded almost exactly to the COVID-19 pandemic, so its activities have been online and distanced. They've done a number of highly successful virtual town halls and webinars. They've provided online tools to make it easier for Albertans to write to their provincial representatives. They've made extensive use of social media. They've distributed stickers and fact sheets. And in August, they launched a lawn sign campaign. As a result of this campaign, there has been what Mayton describes as, quote, unprecedented pushback from Albertans, end quote, against the plan to delist parks. More than 20,000 letters have been sent to MLAs and the Minister of the Environment. More than 12,000 signs are now staked in lawns across Alberta. According to Mayton, the campaign has mobilized people across a number of the usual divides in Alberta politics, including urban-rural and partisan affiliation. At this point, the Alberta government's plans for moving forward on the issue are not clear. There's currently no public timeline, though the UCP caucus has launched its own effort to communicate the government's position to constituents. Mayton says that it's important to keep up the pressure, and she encourages all Albertans to write their MLA, order a lawn sign, and demonstrate their opposition on social media. I speak with Mayton about the Alberta Parks system and about the Defend Alberta Parks campaign. My name is Taylor Mayton. I'm the Conservation Outreach Coordinator with CPAWS Northern Alberta, or the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society. I've been with CPAWS since November of last year, and in the past few months my job has primarily consisted of working on the Defend Alberta Parks campaign. And the Defend Alberta Parks campaign is a coalition of nonprofit organizations, including CPAWS Northern Alberta, CPAWS Southern Alberta, and the Alberta Environmental Network raising issues about the awareness surrounding the loss of Alberta parks and providing Albertans with ways to take action to defend Alberta parks. I have always been interested and involved in environmental activism since I started my university studies and then graduated university. I graduated from the University of Alberta with a degree in biological sciences. So most of my coursework focused on ecology and environmental science. I became very passionate about climate change issues and conservation here in Alberta and Canada as well. So after I graduated, I became involved with Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society through their Park Bus program. So I was hired on to lead different tours out to Elk Island and promote connection of nature and also conservation literacy here in Alberta. At the same time, I was also volunteering with a program called Ocean Bridge. So it was a program through OceanWise that works to promote ocean literacy and waterway conservation in your hometown. Through that program, I became very passionate and also they provided me with the tools and experiences to lead those advocacy campaigns and engage people in conservation. Once I transitioned to a more permanent role with CPAWS Northern Alberta as the Conservation Outreach Coordinator, I was then full-time helping to develop volunteer programs and provide Albertans with ways to take action to engage in conservation in Northern Alberta. So that's kind of how I came into the role and came into this role specifically with Defend Alberta Parks. Once the decision was announced, it kind of was a seamless transition into my role, helping to rally volunteers and provide ways for supporters to take action. Tell listeners a little more about CPAWS and what it is and what it does beyond the specific campaign that we're going to be talking about today. We are the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society, so CPAWS for short. 
We have championed the protection of Alberta's diverse natural heritage since our establishment in 1968 as the first regional chapter of the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society. There's chapters throughout almost every province in Canada. Specifically, there's two here in Alberta, so CEPAW's Northern Alberta and CEPAW's Southern Alberta. The dividing line is sort of at Red Deer, so we look at everything north of Red Deer. We are a nonprofit wilderness protection organization, and we work to keep public lands and water protected here in Alberta. And talk a bit about the park system in Alberta. The park system here in Alberta provides numerous recreation opportunities for Albertans, and specifically the provincial park system is extremely accessible for Albertans. Lots of parks located throughout the province, and they're accessible throughout the year and provide numerous ways to engage in outdoor activities and provide Albertans from all walks of life ways to enjoy nature and enjoy all of its values. Are there specific parks that you have regularly visited or that have been particularly meaningful for you? I am originally from Grand Prairie, Alberta, which is located just northwest here of Edmonton. And when I was growing up there, my favorite provincial park was O'Brien Provincial Park. It was a a place just located a few minutes out of the city, and it was a great place to escape the hustle and bustle of Grand Prairie. Not that there's too much of that, but escape the city and enjoy a quiet place in nature. I remember the beautiful river that would flow through the park, a place to kind of jump in and cool off on a warm summer's day and also throw rocks in and that kind of thing. So that was a place that was near and dear to my heart growing up. Once I moved out for university, I moved to St. Albert, which is just outside of Edmonton here. And I lived in the Oakmont area, which was located just near the Riverlock 56 natural area. So that became a place that I was then exploring and being able to take, you know, long walks to cool down after exams or take study breaks. So both of those places are really near and dear to my heart and provided really accessible places just outside of the city to kind of step back and reconnect with nature. What has the provincial government announced that it wants to do with respect to parks? On February 29th, the government of Alberta announced to close 20 parks and remove 164 from the Alberta park system. This would affect a total of 175 parks that would lose protection and ultimately lose access for Albertans. This accounts for 37% of all provincial parks, and this decision will result in the removal of over 4,000 campsites, so nearly one-third of all provincial campsites here in Alberta. What's your understanding of the government's rationale for this decision? The government of Alberta initially cited that it would save money. They cited, I believe, a $5 million cost savings through the delisting of Alberta parks, as well as opportunities for partnerships in the parks. Both of these do provide concerns for us. Those were the initial rationales that were cited. How did the Defend Alberta Parks campaign get started? We were, as an organization, very concerned when we initially heard this announcement. We were concerned about the loss of recreational opportunities for Albertans. There was very little evidence of cost savings in the delisting of parks. We were also concerned that this was a step back in achieving conservation goals in Alberta and also Canada. And we were, I think, most primarily concerned of the loss of protection of these parks as they would be moved from a Provincial Parks Act legislation to potentially Crown Land legislation. So we quickly wanted to mobilize Albertans and provide them means to take action in hopes to reverse this decision. I remember sitting in the office with my colleague and writing down different ways that we could engage people and different campaign names at the time. We came up with Defend Alberta Parks, and it kind of flew from there. 
this was all kind of happening as the pandemic was coming in to Alberta in March. And we quickly had to transition our in-person outreach to online. We were able to do that, I think, pretty seamlessly. Go into a bit more detail about the impacts you were concerned about when it comes to conservation goals and the shift in which legislation this land would fall under. Parks that are removed from the Alberta park system will ultimately lose their protected area designation under the Provincial Parks Act. So these sites will revert to public land under the Public Lands Act, which does not have the same strength and conservation intent as the Provincial Parks Act. Without these protections, industrial activities could be permitted on these areas. That's our main concern with loss of protection. And it's also a step back in achieving conservation goals. So the removal of Alberta parks will make it difficult for Canada to achieve its commitment to protecting 17% of land and water by the end of 2020. And this will make it even more difficult to protect the commitment of 25% by 2025. And what sorts of industrial activities could potentially be permitted on these lands that currently would not be because of their status as parks? So, for example, the following activities could be permitted on vacant public lands under the Public Lands Act, such as mining, surface mineral extraction, commercial forestry activities, different oil and gas developments, as well as new or unrestricted off-highway vehicle access. We could also see random camping as well, new resource roads, and commercial facilities such as resorts, hotels, or golf courses. From what I've seen on social media, there's also been considerable concern about the government's plan because it would open the door for lands that are currently public to be privatized in various ways. Do I have that right? Well, the Alberta Parks news release has amended to remove the mention of sale of parks, and the minister has clarified that the land itself will not be sold. Parks facilities and assets could be sold and management authority for the area could be transferred to private partners through leases and other mechanisms like that. In a COVID-19 era, I believe that volunteer organizations and municipalities might already be struggling to find funding and might not have the resources to properly manage and protect these important places. Also, private operators are not accountable to Albertans or are required to maintain conservation values and quality outdoor experiences for the public. So I believe going in with the idea that Alberta Park should be managed for profit is not the way that we should be going. Commercial uses that are not currently permitted or promoted in parks could be developed in these areas once they become public land. So once you decided that you needed to do something, how did the Defend Alberta Parks campaign take shape? It started out with that question of how do we move our in-person outreach and engagement onto online. So early on in the campaign, we began by hosting a virtual town hall. This was done with CPAW's Northern Alberta and CPAW's Southern Alberta chapters. And this highlighted the issue and what was going on and then highlighted ways to take action. At the time, we were encouraging people to write letters to their MLA using the CPAW's letter writing tool and also to call their MLA and voice their concern and hopefully set up a meeting there. We also hosted a virtual rally from home early on in April. So this encouraged people on social media to set up camp in their living room, gear up in their favorite outdoor activity, and call their MLA from home. We also encouraged people to post a picture of their setup with the hashtag Defend Alberta Parks, and then we would send them sticker packs and that kind of thing. So we were kind of trying to make different fun ways for people to engage with the campaign. 
And then it wasn't until August 17th that the Defend Alberta Parks campaign was launched. So this is a coalition between CPAWS Northern Alberta, CPAWS Southern Alberta, as well as the Alberta Environmental Network. And this is an on-the-ground law and sign campaign that has been launched throughout the province. How have Albertans been responding? We've had incredible engagement and responses from Albertans. Our first town hall was actually sold out, quote-unquote sold out. We have unfortunately only a 300 person Zoom capacity. So that was sold out and we had maximum capacity for that first town hall. Because of the increased demand, we did host a second town hall. For the rally from home, we had dozens of Albertans that participated throughout the province and posted pictures and videos of their setups and called their MLAs. We also heard that the phone lines were pretty busy that day from people calling throughout the province to voice their concern. What has the uptake of the lawn sign campaign been like, and how has it been distributed across the province? As I mentioned, this decision has seen unprecedented pushback from Albertans. We as an organization cannot remember a time when so many Albertans from so many diverse socioeconomic backgrounds have ever so vocally expressed their opposition to a government plan. They've made it very clear that Albertans want to see their parks protected and public. To date, We've seen over 12,000 lawn signs that have been requested throughout the province. I believe most of those lawn signs have been primarily concentrated in Calgary. And we've seen probably the next largest amount here in Edmonton. And over 20,000 letters have been sent out to MLAs and the Minister of Environment using the CPAWS online letter writing tool. We've seen interesting hotspots there mostly in Calgary and lots here in Edmonton, specifically in some neighborhoods like St. Albert, have been really interesting to see increased letters being sent out from there. We've had hundreds of people volunteer to help defend Alberta parks through helping with lawn sign delivery and mail drop throughout the province. Businesses in both Calgary and Edmonton here have offered to host Defend Alberta Park stickers and buttons and fact sheets in their storefronts. And I've also been mailing out dozens of sticker packs and info sheets to individuals throughout the province, everywhere from Calgary to Athabasca to White Court, lots of rural places as well. I'd imagine there's a lot of potential with a campaign like this to bridge the urban-rural divide, as well as other divides. Absolutely. We've seen, yeah, both rural and city Albertans voicing their concern about the issue and requesting lawn signs. We've even seen people drive, you know, an hour into Edmonton to come and pick up a lawn sign because they've been, you know, located out of the cities. That's been incredible. And this issue has also been nonpartisan as well. So we've seen supporters from across the board that way as well, engaging with the campaign. And the people power that's making this campaign happen, is it mostly people who are, you know, longtime CPAWS supporters? Or have you been drawing in new people? So it's definitely volunteer driven. And many of our volunteers who are delivering lawn signs actually have not heard of CPAWS or the Alberta Environmental Network before. They're new to us and to the organization. So it's been really incredible to meet new people that way as well. And yeah, the volunteers coming in have truly been driving this campaign and providing this campaign with so much momentum throughout the province. What has the media coverage of the campaign been like? We've received incredible media coverage. I think on average, we've been getting at least one to two articles or media releases per week since the announcement. So since the beginning of March, it's been incredible to see how much engagement it's received. And what about governmental response to the campaign? We have seen some governmental response to the campaign. 
The UCP caucus just released a My Parks Will Go On campaign. So this is a campaign that is, I guess, in response to the Defend Alberta Parks campaign. It states that Alberta's parks remain protected under the jurisdiction of Alberta Environment Parks. However, the campaign does not state that they will remain legally protected under the Parks Act. So with that response, the Defend Alberta Parks campaign will continue to go on until these parks remain protected under the Parks Act. And just to be clear, is there any kind of concession in there from the UCP caucus, or is it more about communicating the existing government position? I believe it's more to communicate the existing governmental position. We have yet to see any details about specific partnerships or exactly what these parks will turn into or how they will shift in legislation. So yeah, we will wait to hear more details about that. Have you run into any popular opposition to the Defend Alberta Parks campaign? We have not actually seen any opposition from non-governmental parties. This has definitely been one of the biggest swells of grassroots support for a conservation initiative that Alberta has ever seen. Early on in the campaign, there was actually a survey conducted that demonstrated that most Albertans do not support the decision to delist Alberta parks. That was 7 in 10, according to a public opinion survey. So I think this lines up with what we've been seeing with very little opposition from the public. What's your sense of which among the various concerns raised by the campaign are resonating the most with Albertans? I think most prominently people are worried about the loss of recreational opportunities here in Alberta. So not being able to enjoy the areas that, that they've enjoyed and have memories of and you know time spent with their family. So I think that those personal connections to those parks and places come up a lot in conversation. There's also concerns about decreased access to those sites. So if user fees are increased, then there might be a financial barrier for people to access those places. And of course, conservation as well. Albertans are very concerned that there will be the potential of industrial development in these areas and that those areas will not be protected. What have the specific challenges been of trying to mount a campaign during the pandemic? There's definitely been a few challenges, but I believe we've been able to find a system that really works, that ensures that all of our staff, volunteers, and supporters are safe during this time. We've made it so the on-the-ground lawn sign campaign is fully zero contact. Our volunteers' forums will come in through our website, and then I'll give our volunteers a call or email wondering if they're still able to do some lawn sign deliveries in their area. And if they agree, then all of our exchanges are through email, and I'm able to send them the list of deliveries. I then can drive over to the house and just leave the lawn signs outdoors for them. And then they're able to pick them up and deliver them without knocking on any doors or ringing any doorbells. So the campaign has been able to remain contact-free and safe for everyone. Thankfully for technology like Zoom and Google Meets, we're able to have meetings and continue to have meetings remotely and host webinars remotely. Social media has definitely been a huge tool for us during this time as well to get our resources out there and get people checking out the website and reading blogs as well. Since the start of the pandemic, I've heard quite a mix of opinions about the extent to which online events and tools can fully substitute for their in-person equivalents. What's your sense of that? That's a really good question. I struggle with that question as well of what would be best. I think ideally engaging both online and in-person would be ideal, but during the COVID era when we're just engaging online, I think it's done a very good job of allowing us to reach a large set of Albertans. And some of our hosts have received thousands of engagements or clicks. So I think that's been good and kind of has hit a larger number than what we could hosting an event. I think the resources going into 
doing up a post or blog can sometimes be less than hosting an in-person event as well. So sometimes I think you might get more bang for your buck when you're hosting online or virtually. But I think we do lose out on a demographic that is not as familiar with the internet or doesn't have access to the internet. So there's definitely pros and cons to engaging online. I know that we've tried to do our best with accommodating people who don't have access to the internet. I've taken lawn sign orders over the phone for, you know, different people that don't have access to the internet. So we've been able to kind of get around that as much as we can. So you said that the lawn sign campaign launched back in August. What else has the campaign been doing since that point? Since the lawn sign component launched in August, we've been, I think, first of all, looking to expand. So we've been trying to expand to as many cities and towns as possible. That has been our biggest goal. And we also recently hosted another webinar just last week, I believe, that gave updates on the issue and kind of encouraged people to, if they haven't already ordered a lawn sign, called their MLA or called their MLA again for a second time. And we've also been providing tools and resources for anyone that's looking to host their own events or own kind of opportunities to engage their network. For example, if a group wants to distribute their own lawn signs or have a way of distributing stickers and fact sheets, then we'll be able to connect with them and provide resources. Or if they are interested in delivering lawn signs in their town that doesn't already have lawn signs, then we're able to connect with them and find ways to make that possible. So obviously, Defend Alberta Parks is about responding to a direction for the park system in Alberta that your organization and seemingly lots and lots of Albertans are not happy with. But what in general might be some positive changes that you would like to see made in the Alberta Parks system? We would like to see, of course, the protection of our current parks and know that they are protected under legislation. I think we'd also like to see investment in infrastructure and facilities to make these places you know, safe and better places to recreate. So seeing more garbage cans and visitor centers and you know, trail maintenance and things like that, I think we'd like to see that in a park system. And I think ultimately, we'd love to see more parks and not less. In a COVID-19 era, we've seen huge increases in visitor numbers to parks throughout the province. So there's definitely demand for more parks, and we'd like to see that happen as well. Has the government announced any sort of timeline for proceeding with closing and delisting parks? Right now, there's no existing timeline that I know of. Back in May, we were supposed to hear more details about partnerships with these parks, and those details have still not been released, so we'll be waiting to hear about that and hoping that there'll be some engagement there. And what does the Defend Alberta Parks campaign have planned for the coming months? For the coming months, we don't have anything specifically planned other than to, you know, continue what we're doing and keep distributing more lawn signs and mail drop, but we are hoping that Albertans will stick with us. We don't know when we'll hear more updates or hear any more about these changes, but we're hoping that Albertans will keep their lawn signs up until we're ensured that these parks will remain protected under legislation. You have been listening to my interview with Taylor Mayton of CPAWS Northern Alberta and the Defend Alberta Parks campaign. To learn more about the campaign, go to defendabparks.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show.
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. 